Hey everyone, proud dad moment here. My son attempted to set the world record in holding his breath underwater. Went in to mix a drink, 15 minutes later I came out, 18 minutes, 23 seconds, he's still going strong, beat that. Hey guys, proud dad back again. Since yesterday, it's been 25 hours, 47 minutes. We've been swimming with him all day and he still hasn't moved. He looks bloating. Guys, I gotta go. Proud dad back. So far, we're at 45 hours and- I'm telling you right now, that damn kid's dead. Karen, why don't you mind your own business? Your kid's never set a world record like mine's going to right now. Oh, yes. Welcome back to the show, everybody. What a wild, wild ride the past two weekends have been. (laughs) Oh, man. I was saving this show for last night. I actually recorded it very late and figured I would release it today. I started recording last night for several reasons. And one of them is because yesterday would have been Katrina's 60th birthday. And I only thought it would be appropriate to celebrate someone that I love doing something that I love to do, especially since, you know, she was so supportive of my podcast. Seriously, she was my number one fan, also my number one censor, but that's another story. And I was her number one fan. She was the smartest, most loving person that I'd known. I'd love nothing more than to have been able to bake a cake for her if she were still here, even though it probably would have sucked. And she'd have told me if it sucked because that woman did not pull punches, which is one more thing that I loved about her. She told it like it was. So I recorded the show, woke up this morning. I figured I'd edit it and post it, but I woke up to Tom Brady's retirement announcement, and there was no way I couldn't talk about that. But that's how the show goes. If I record, something big breaks. If I hold back, something big breaks. (laughs) So... So much to talk about. I'm not even sure where to start here. Well, I definitely have to talk about football for a moment. I mean, holy shit. The NFL has proven itself to be the number one source of entertainment, period. If you missed those four games played last Saturday and Sunday, you missed some of the most exciting playoff football in history. It doesn't get closer. It doesn't get crazier. Every game finished in the closing seconds. The Niners beat the Packers, sending Rodgers into an unknown offseason. The Rams beat Tampa Bay, sending Tom Brady to seriously think about retiring, which he did this morning. The Bengals beat the Titans. They were the number one team in the AFC. No one saw that coming except for the Bengals. Then Kansas City topped the weekend off in OT to win a thriller against the Bills. Maybe the best football game ever. I was so exhausted last Sunday night. I think I slept close to nine hours, which is a lot. The NFL is really, it's proven why it's king. All kinds of drama, last second heroics. It really is the best show on television. But then this past weekend happened. There's a new kid in town and his name is Joe Burrow. Here's a young man, dresses like a pimp, launches LSU into the spotlight wins the Heisman Trophy, takes LSU to the championship game, wins it, 
becomes the number one pick in the draft, plays his first year with the Bengals, gets injured, has his season cut short, then comes back this year, wins the AFC North, beats everybody in their path, including the Chiefs, and now he's headed to the Super Bowl. Here's what an amazing story this is, okay? Two years ago, the Bengals were the worst team in football. They draft Burrow and a couple of his teammates. Suddenly, the Bengals are the talk of the league, and they're in the Super Bowl. Not only was it crazy to watch the Rams punch their ticket to the Super Bowl, but these dudes, they don't even have to travel. They're playing the game right here in L.A. in their own stadium. Now, Tampa Bay did it in their stadium last year. So how do you think this is going to pan out? I know there are a lot of you out there could give a shit less about football, or any sport for that matter. So I'm sorry. This has just been a very entertaining postseason. And I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in two weeks. And raise your hand if you've had enough of Aaron Rodgers' bullshit. Talk about a guy who just increasingly made this season all about him. Until they lose their playoff opener, suddenly the team's a letdown. Here's the perfect example of a stupid jock who thinks he's smart, can't keep his dumb mouth shut, does so much talking off the field that he forgets that it comes back to bite you in the ass when you lose. He believes in his own bullshit. Here was a guy who for years was this quiet athlete who let his game do the talking. Suddenly he's dating actresses, he's going on podcasts, being outspoken about the vaccine, trying to become a Jeopardy host, as if he thinks he's the second coming of Alex Trebek when he's about as boring as a piece of toast without butter. Just shut your mouth. Play football. He's a great player. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks. Do your job. And I'm starting to understand why so many of my friends, they no longer follow sports. Between guys like this and Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and fill in the blank, I've had it with these knuckleheads. I don't want to hear them talking off the court. Play your sport. Entertain us. Keep your opinions to yourself. The same goes with actors. Have we not had enough of these political statements every time someone wins an Oscar? Can we just enjoy entertainment for what it is? It's supposed to be a distraction. Anyway, last Saturday, I decided to join this group ride. I know I'd mentioned this app, Meetup. You go on there, set up an account, tell them what your interests are, and they'll refer groups to you based on your interests. These are all groups of people who like to do the things that you like to do. So there was this casual cycling group who did these easy-paced rides on the beach up and down the coast. So I signed up. I go to the meeting spot, and all these people start showing up. There's about 30 people, massive group of cyclists, all shapes and sizes, ages ranging from mid-20s all the way up to 60s and 70s, e-bikes, Mountain bikes, beach cruisers, hybrids, road bikes. One woman's riding one of those bikes where you, you lay down and you pedal. I mean, it looked like Barnum and Bailey set this group right up. Some people couldn't do the whole 20 miles, so they had sections where you could turn back. But it was fun. Lots of nice people. Everyone was friendly. I was as helpful as I could be, too. Like Some people, they didn't know how to work a bike pump, so I was airing up people's tires for like the first 30 minutes. I was explaining how gears worked. If we come to a hill, you have to change gears so it becomes easier for you to pedal so you don't blow your knees out. And I found myself helping the organizer quite a bit. 
I'd go back in the group, make sure people were staying together and no one got lost. It was a really rewarding experience. I had women talking to me. That was nice. Friendly banter, you know. I don't want to be a creep, right? I keep it light, but I'm still myself. If I saw an opportunity for a joke, I took it. There was this one girl, very cute, very petite, smiled all the time. She was getting all the attention. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to engage her. I'm not going to, you know, she's obviously, she's being hit on by every single guy there. And I, I'm not going to be that guy. I don't want to get involved. So we'd come to a stop. We'd re- to regroup. And she starts complimenting me on my bike. And that I look like I'm in good shape. Obviously, I ride a lot. That was nice, you know. Nice of her to say that. So I start talking to her. I asked her if she cycles a lot. But she doesn't. You know, this is her first time. And obviously, she says, you know, I've got a beater of a bike. But she's just getting started. I said, you know, the first ride is always the hardest. It gets easier the more you do it. Then we were off and that was that. If I saw her again in the group, I'd ask her how she was holding up, kept it friendly. But I didn't hang around her. I'm not, you know, I don't do that. I don't flirt hard or anything. I was, you know, I'm on my bike. I'm surrounded by the coastline. I was new to the group. It was just, you know, I was keeping it casual as it was supposed to be. Anyways, the group were breaking up. The, you know, rides coming to a close. Everyone's going back to their cars. And uh, she and I are stopped at a light together with a bunch of other people. And I was going to be turning left after the light to get back to my car. So she says, uh, I rode my bike here, so I'm headed a few miles straight down the road. It was nice to meet you. Hope to see you again. I said, yeah, nice to meet you too. Hope to see you at the next one. And I told her, I'd, you know, it was a really fun day for me. Just like that, off we went. That's how last weekend started. And what a great feeling it was just to be out again. Riding with complete strangers, having three plus hours of human interaction. You know how I am, right? I just like to be around people. This COVID has really just been a a bitch. And I was apprehensive about actually committing to this thing because I had no idea what to expect. Now I can't wait to do it again. Of course, all my, I tell the story, right? All my friends are excited. They think I'm going to see this woman again. I have no idea, right? And she looks, she looks young. Definitely looks like she's at least 10 to 15 years younger than me. So it's not something I'm looking into. At least not like my friends are. They're trying to encourage me to get out there so much, right? I appreciate them for that. A few of them said (laughs) they were living vicariously through me. I said, dude, you don't want to live vicariously through me. This life has been hell. Anyway, Tom Brady's retirement really comes as no shock to anyone who was paying attention. It was going to be year by year for him anyway. You figure that, you know, if he goes to Tampa Bay, he wins the Super Bowl, maybe he'd go out on top. But he comes back another year. The team was even better. They just got outplayed and outcoached by the Rams. So he starts talking about how he has to think about his family and stuff. I mean, turning down $25 million to play another season sounds ridiculous to us, but not to a, you know, a rich athlete like him. He doesn't need the money any more than he just needs to be with his family. And he retired with class, too. No press conference, no farewell tour, no fanfare, no look-at-me moments, no crying or saying anything disingenuous. He just he posts a multi-page message on Instagram. Thanked his teammates in Tampa, the owner, the coaches, the fans, the city. No mention of New England or Kraft or Belichick. 
And that didn't surprise me. You know what I think they're going to do? They're going to have some kind of ceremony. Well, they'll retire his number, and then he'll thank everybody then. But that's way down the road. But the stories I started to hear about Brady were about as squeaky clean as he looks. The guy was exactly who he presented himself as. He was friendly to teammates, supportive, always kind. He worked hard, expected the same kind of dedication from everybody. And one guy said he'd, they'd, he'd go out for beers with the team. And sometimes they'd, they'd challenge him to a chugging contest. And Brady would mop the floors with everybody. One guy said he'd never seen anyone who chugged beer faster. Brady was one of the guys. And that's class. Brady wasn't a shit talker. You know, he tried to stay as private as he could. Tried not to make waves. And people who say they hate Brady, they're just jealous of him. Who wouldn't trade places with this guy? Greatest quarterback of all time. Married to a supermodel. Beautiful family. Handsome son of a bitch. Everybody respects him. I don't have a bad thing to say about him. Unlike John Stockton, who's completely disconnected from reality, I guess. Stockton's a Hall of Fame NBA player. Owns the career record for assists. Well, I guess Gonzaga, college team. They revoked Stockton's uh, season tickets because he continued to refuse to wear a mask. So they're interviewing about it, right? This newspaper in Spokane. Spokane? How do you say that? Anyway, during the interview, Stockton claimed that uh, more than 100 professional athletes have died from getting the vaccine. Tens of thousands, maybe even millions, have died from vaccines. He said this. (laughs) He said this. I think it's highly recorded now. There's 150, I believe, now. It's over 100 professional athletes dead. Professional athletes, the prime of their life, dropping dead that are vaccinated. Right on the pitch, right on the field, right on the court. You know, it's one thing to spew bullshit misinformation. It's another to actually live inside of it. Like, this guy honestly believes this is true. This would be clinically, it would be diagnosed as a pathological liar. Like if you believe your own bullshit. Like if 150 professional athletes have died on the field, on the court, on the pitch, as he says, wouldn't that make international news? Wouldn't that be something we'd all be talking about right now? Can you recall the last pro athlete to collapse and die during a game anywhere? Do you honestly believe that people are just going to believe that bullshit that's coming out of your mouth? Man, oh man. Shut the fuck up, you dumb jock. It's gotten to the point where I'll watch a game, but I won't watch any after-game interviews or read any quotes from anyone after a game is over. The game entertains me. The stupid shit that comes out of your mouth doesn't. So back to Katrina. I recalled this story the other day, and it brought back some memories. Wasn't my proudest moment, by the way. Katrina wasn't fond of my mom. She tolerated her. I wasn't fond of her mother either. I tolerated her, until she made herself so intolerable that I'd have it out with her. I mean, I got into a lot of fights with that woman. I've spoken about this here before, so I'm not going to rehash it. But she treated Katrina like a slave sometimes, and I hated it. And she'd do something really nice for Katrina, then turn around and become a witch again. The Katrina, she had a nickname for her. She called her the Dementor from the Harry Potter books. She would just suck the life right out of you. Anyway, we were celebrating my birthday one year. 
with some friends at our house. And Katrina brings out a cake with candles on it. She makes me close my eyes, make a wish before I blow out the candles. Like I'm not 11 years old anymore, but okay, right? I'm going to play along. So I blow out the candles, blah, blah. A few seconds later, one of my friends leans into me and he says, Hey, I hope you get your wish. I turned to him and I said, I'll let you know. After Katrina calls her mom tomorrow, we'll see if she picks up. <laughs> it's a cold thing to say, but there was no love lost for that woman. But my point was that Katrina always made a big deal out of birthdays and holidays, even the Hallmark holidays. I think she'd be overwhelmed if she was around today. Now we've got every national whatever day every time you turn around. If we celebrated every one of those stupid fucking days, we'd all be 500 pounds. Donuts, Guinness, fried chicken, hot dogs, crack. Do they have a national crack day? No. <laughs> Wait, it's probably coming. And this whole war going on between Neil Young and Spotify, now Joni Mitchell, as they refuse to drop their contract to exclusively host Joe Rogan's podcast. Hey, this has two sides, okay? I want you to remember that. Neil Young has every right to take his music wherever he wants, and Spotify has every right to host Joe Rogan's podcast. If you don't like it, don't listen, don't subscribe, don't use Spotify, delete your account. That's where this country shines, okay? Freedom of speech and freedom of choice. Now, I've found Rogan entertaining sometimes, but I don't agree with his politics. I haven't listened in a long time, but I'm not going to boycott shit. Just, I just don't listen anymore. I don't think anyone has the right to turn his voice off. Is his anti-vax talk dangerous? Yes, I think so. But it's his platform. Let him have it. Apple jumped right on the wagon when this went down last week. They tweeted that everyone should know that Neil Young's catalog is still available on Apple Music. And I'm like, you know, nice one, Tim Cook. But then people started attacking Apple because they host Steve Bannon's War Room podcast, which supports the you know January 6th insurrection and destroying the government. To that, I'll say this. Look, Apple doesn't host anyone's podcast. In fact, I'm not even sure Spotify hosts Joe Rogan's podcast. What they do is they have rights to the link in his feed and the contract more than likely states that Spotify is the only place where his feed is posted. Like, I'm on Apple Podcasts, but I host it. They're nothing but a directory of podcasts, just like Spotify, Amazon, Google, and a bunch of other feed readers. I send them a link to my feed, it goes into their directory, and it comes up. Like, if I pulled my feed from everywhere except for Spotify and didn't even post episodes to my website, that would make me exclusive only to Spotify. But they don't host it, and I could change that tomorrow by posting my feed anywhere I wanted. Rogan probably controls his hosting. He owns the show. And getting back to Steve Bannon, guess what? I don't agree with him either. But you start trying to shut him down, and you're crossing the lines of free speech again. So either tune in or tune it out. People forget this is a democracy in a free country. Just because you don't like something that someone's saying doesn't give you the right to try to shut them down. And if musicians don't agree with Spotify's stance, they've got every right to take their music wherever they want. You can disagree with me on this all you like, okay? Because you have that right too. And I support your right, and I respect your right and your opinion. 
That's what human beings are supposed to do. Oh, hey, I had my booster shot last Tuesday. Took forever to get an appointment, but finally got in. I woke up the next morning, had a little arm fatigue, nothing huge. Answered some emails from bed, had a phone call. Then I got up, had some coffee, start to get my work done. When bam, I start feeling flush. I was shivering, felt like I had a fever. My body started to ache. Good Christ, no, don't tell me. This is going to be like the day after the second shot of Pfizer. But sure enough, it was. I could not get warm. I couldn't stop shivering. And the coughing started, shortness of breath. Now, these are COVID symptoms, but it feels like the flu, like my whole system was upset. I knew where this was going. So I just took my shit upstairs, figured I'd try to work from bed. I got back into bed. I bundled up and I realized I'm going to get nothing done. I just felt miserable. Took some Tylenol, drank a bunch of water, ended up falling asleep for a couple hours. I woke up in a pool of sweat, which pissed me off because I just changed my sheets three days before. And I thought that was it, right? But no, said the booster vaccine. I'm going to kick the shit out of you. Like Muhammad Ali kicked the shit out of Joe Frazier. <laughs> I could hear Howard Cosell's voice in my head. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Philly. I don't think I started feeling even remotely like myself until around 6 o'clock. I didn't even want to eat. I think I had an apple and some celery with peanut butter. I drank a quart of water and just kept laying down. I mean, I'm happy to be fully vaccinated, but holy shit, I wish my body didn't respond to the vaccine the way it does. If that's what a light case of COVID feels like, I would not want to know what it feels like to have like actual COVID. I would take a roundhouse kick to the nuts before I'd want to feel like that again. That virus can go shit in a hat. Then we've got this posturing by Putin, the man who would literally piss on top of your head and tell you that it's raining. Either he's trying to fuck with everyone's heads by setting up troops all around Ukraine because he wants some attention, or he is once again dead set on invading Ukraine and making it part of Russia, as he always felt it should be. He's got 100,000 troops set up all around the border. He's in Belarus, all the way around into Crimea, which, by the way, belonged to Ukraine until he invaded it eight years ago and then annexed it. He's saying that no one has anything to worry about, that we should all mind our business. Well, dude, it's Europe's business, you putz. I think about this in food terms, right? Because I'm a wackadoo nut job, can't stop thinking about food. Let's look at Crimea as the appetizer, right? It was a small taste. He waltzed his way in there and ate it. Now he wants to have his main course. And Putin is one power-hungry son of a bitch. So let's say he goes in there and no one does anything to stop him and hundreds of thousands of people die in the process. Now he owns Ukraine. Then a few years go by. Now this tubby, bald, mealy-mouthed little shit stick, now he's hungry again. Hey, I feel like Polish food. Down goes Poland. Then down goes Romania. If any of this sounds familiar, it should. It happened in the 1930s. And this angry little fucktard with the dumbest mustache in history got a little greedy, ended up getting millions of people killed because he wasn't fond of Jewish people. And look, we don't owe Ukraine jack shit. We give them a shit ton of money. 
with nothing in return other than building up their military so Russia can't, you know, push their way through into Europe. We're paying child support for kids that aren't ours, basically. And I just, I don't want to see another drop of American blood shed on foreign soil. I'm over that shit, too. But Putin's nuts. And he has nukes. If they can't find our way to diplomacy, which I doubt they will, this is going to be the World War III we've been expecting for decades. And hey, if that shit starts, all I can suggest is for everyone to start eating and drinking and fucking with abandon. Right? Sin until the skies light up. Because we've always known that a war like this would be catastrophic for everybody. And this morning, Putin held a press conference. He hadn't spoken about this in weeks. He's been tight-lipped. He said that Russia's security is being threatened and that their concerns have not been addressed. Here's his quote. It is already clear, I informed the Prime Minister about this, that the fundamental Russian concerns were ignored. We did not see an adequate consideration of our three key requirements. They didn't actually list those requirements. We have not seen adequate consideration of our three key demands regarding NATO expansion, the renunciation of the deployment of strike weapon systems near Russian borders, and the return of NATO bloc's military infrastructure in Europe to the state of 1997 when the Russia-NATO Founding Act was signed. So he thinks Russia is vulnerable and they're going to be attacked. So that's why he lines up around Ukraine. That's his excuse. Dude, no one wants a war. No one's going to attack Russia. You've got China in your back pocket. The only one being aggressive here is you. And what a paper-thin excuse for surrounding a country we all know you want in your portfolio. So what a jackass thing to say. Now he goes in, and the UN enforces sanctions against Russia. And the banks no longer give him money. The people of Russia are going to suffer. And Putin's going to have only two options. Fight back or cave in. Now you've seen this guy. Anyone who looks like him, who would have his picture taken shirtless on top of a horse, it's not a dude who caves in. He'll bury himself in the underground city that he's built for himself and order up missile strikes like he orders up takeout Chinese food. I know this is some real downer shit, but let's not fool ourselves here. This guy's dangerous. We're going to have cyber attacks. It's going to get very ugly before it gets pretty, if it ever gets pretty. <laughs> I don't know if you've read Revelations, but holy shit, it's starting to line up like they scripted it. And while we're on the subject of Europe, can someone please buy Prime Minister Johnson a comb? Every time I see him get up there, in front of Parliament or in front of the press, he looks like he just rolled out of bed. I don't care how you part it. On the left, on the right, down the center, just comb that mop and put some product in it. I'll personally send you a case of Defy Sculpting Clay, all right? That's my trick. You look like wherever you get your hair cut comes with a free bowl of soup. You're the leader of the United Kingdom, the home of 007. Show some pride. You look disheveled. It's embarrassing. Sir, <laughs> I got to keep it respectful. Hey, one night last week, I wanted to completely relax before I went to bed. So I decided I'm going to watch some old Jacques Pepin cooking videos. And they were pretty damned old, but the food looked, looked like classic French, right? And it worked. Settled my brain, slept great. So a couple nights later, I'm on YouTube, and they've got more of his videos. But these were more recent, and they were shorts, like under five minutes. 
You know the kinds of videos these are, right? Where they've got to do shit so fast, food goes everywhere, and they're frying cheese and bread and shit in the pan, not supposed to be there. And then there's smoke everywhere because some shit fell in the cavity of the stove where the flame is. Anyway, Papan has got to be pushing 75, 80 in these videos because his hands are kind of shaky and unsure and his voice is scraggly and shit. I'm watching this man cut a pepper and some carrots and I swear to Christ, I think I'm about to watch him take off a digit, but he never does. I love that he's still producing content at his age, but dude, there comes a time you got to think about your own safety. Cutting and cooking at that speed? If you don't cut a finger off, you're going to burn the fucking kitchen to the ground. But how entertaining would that be? Hey, remember those old Julia Child videos? She'd drop shit all the time, pick it right back up and put it back. Five second rule. If she struggled, she just kept the cameras rolling. Didn't give a shit. That's what we loved about her. You know, back when I started my life as a foodie, I'd have Katrina listen to my show with me right before I posted it so I could get her opinion on it. First three in a row, perfect. By the time I did the fourth one, I was starting to hit my groove and started feeling really comfortable. So I just started talking like I would talk to my friends. And I think I said shit in a sentence. (laughs) Oops. She said, you should cut that out. You shouldn't curse. It's not professional. I said, honey, maybe 10 people are listening to this. She said, still. So I went back and I, I bleeped it. So that became a running joke on the show. If I accidentally dropped the F-bomb or the S-bomb or whatever, I'd bleep it. And the running gag then became that I had this imaginary producer who would bleep my curse words and then I'd yell at him for censoring me. I think I eventually stopped bleeping altogether. I didn't care anymore. At that point, and I'm getting like 6,000 downloads an episode, if I offended two people because I said Paula Dean was a two-faced piece of shit and they stopped listening... It no longer mattered to me. So if you ever wonder why I would bleep my profanities on that show, that was Katrina talking. Alright, round two of the episode's finished. Rarely do I ever do a show twice. But I think this is a better session. I'm happy with it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week, and I'll see you all again next week. Until then, my name is Phil, and this has been A Name. Cheers. <laughs>